Once again, we come upon a Lenten season, a season of self-reflection and preparation, a season that we begin with ashes, looking at our own mortality, and that we end with the victory of Christ over the grave and the promise of everlasting life. For our Lenten meditations this year, we're going to focus on various aspects from one phrase in the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done. In our Old Testament, we read of Abraham. Now, Abraham was a man that you might say God adopted. He was living in Chaldea, in the city of Ur, and God said to him, Abram, I want you to leave this land, and I want you to go to the land that I'm going to show you. Well, think about that for a moment. Abraham doesn't pause to ask God, where are we going? or how we're going to get there, he hears the call of God, and he goes. How many of us would do that? Now, I can kind of relate to this in a little bit of a way, as I know some of you can. For those of you who, for example, are familiar with the call process right out of the seminary, and perhaps even right out of college, they, they have this tendency to not tell you where you're going for your first call until the very end of your studies. We used to joke in the seminary that what they did is they just kind of wrote your name on a dart and then they went like this. And wherever it landed on the map, you kind of got sent to the closest place that was looking for a pastor. Not quite like that. But rather what they did is they had this wonderful worship service that they called a call service and you lined up in alphabetical order, and they would call your name, and then they would announce where you're being sent. My first call was to a small town in northern Minnesota that I had never, ever heard of. That's about the closest you can come to Abraham, I think. Abraham, let's go. Pack everything up. We're going. Road trip. Where are we going? I'll show you. And Abraham begins to walk by faith. And along the way, God says to Abraham, I am going to make your name great. I am going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. And Abram, I am going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Now, 
God gives that promise to Abram when he's 75 years old. And Abraham has to walk with God. Now, he doesn't do it perfectly. He messes up a few times along the way, but God is still faithful to Abraham. And then along the lines of the fact, 25 years later, God comes to Abraham and says, remember that promise I gave you? Yeah? Well, I just want you to know that I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make, uh, you, give you a land flowing with milk and honey, and your, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And he's thinking, I'm already 100 years old. How is this going to happen? And God says, well, the next, next year I'm going to come back to you and Sarah's going to have a child. Now, Sarah, being the wonderful, nosy wife that she was, was eavesdropping. And she heard God make that promise and she laughed. And yet a year later, she gave birth to a son and they named him Isaac, which means Laughter. Now, there's really a double entendre going on here. First of all, it's a reminder that Abraham and Sarah, for the first time in their lives, have great joy, and they're laughing at what God has done. But it's also a little bit of a poke in the side to Sarah, remembering that she doubted God. And Abraham, everything's going right. Everything's going well. They're having a great time. And even in their old age, watching this young boy grow up until he's a teenager. And then one day, Abraham's life is shaken. He thought he had God figured out. And all of a sudden, God comes to him and says, Abram, yes, Lord, I want you to take your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and I want you to go on a journey with him three days to the mountain that I'm going to show you. Okay. And there I want you to sacrifice him to me. What would you do? Abraham doesn't understand what God's doing. But he trusts God and in faith and obedience to God, he packs up, grabs some servants, and heads out with Isaac for a three-day journey. And when they get to the mountain, he tells the servants to stay behind, and he loads the wood on Isaac, and he himself carries the knife and the fire. And they start up the mountain. Somewhere along that journey on the way up the mountain, Isaac says, he notices something. He says, Dad, I got the wood and you got the fire and the knife. Where's the sacrifice? And Abram responds, the Lord will provide. Now, we can look at that response and go, is, 
Is he just trying to kind of skirt around the issue and avoid answering Isaac's question? Or is this an answer that comes from faith? Because you see, Abraham's experience with God is that God is a God who keeps his promises. And God has promised to Abraham that his name will be great, that he's going to inherit the land, and that he's going to have a multitude of descendants. And so as our text reminds us this evening, Abraham firmly believes that even if he slays Isaac, that God is going to raise him from the dead. Because you see, he's been promised that through Isaac, through the name of Isaac, his descendants will flow. In Abraham's mind and in his heart of faith, he trusts that somehow, even in the midst of what he's being asked to do by God, that God is still going to keep his promises. Some 2,000 years later, another son an only son loved by his father carries the wood up the hill. And I have to wonder if somehow in the recesses of his mind he's hearing the words of his long ago forefather Abraham God will provide. Because you see, we know that Christ was sacrificed on that mountain for our sins. And that God provided a way out for us through the blood of His own Son, Jesus Christ. Abraham and Isaac get to the top of the mountain and they build an altar. Isaac working right alongside his dad. And they build that altar and they put the wood on the altar and all of a sudden Abraham grabs Isaac and binds him up and lays him on the altar. Can you imagine the shock that Isaac must have felt? Can you imagine even for just a heartbeat the sense of betrayal? I thought you loved me, Dad. You got to wonder what's going through his mind as he watches his father raise the knife. Is there trust? Fear? Hurt? Confusion? Is what's going through Isaac the same thing that often goes through our hearts and our minds when we think that God is somehow forsaking us or abandoning us? 
That in our own lives, in our own confusion, in our own bewilderment, we wonder, where is God? And what's going through Abraham's mind? God, I don't know what, what you're doing or why you're doing it this way, but I've trusted you for 114 years or whatever it is that, that he's at as a teenager. And I'm not going to stop trusting you now. You've asked me to do this. Thy will be done. Father, you've brought me to this place, and yet I pray that you would take this cup from me. I don't want to die. I know what's coming. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to be beaten within an inch of my life. I don't want to be crucified. Take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but thine be done. And as Abraham readies to plunge the knife, God says, Abraham... Can you imagine what's going through Isaac's mind when he hears God's voice? Here I am. Do not kill your son. For I know now your faith. Don't kill him. I wonder how long it took Abraham, after he heard those words, to grab Isaac and to hold him as tight as he could. I would venture to say that the tears were flowing from both of their faces as they embraced each other in the presence of Almighty God. And Abraham turned and saw a ram caught in the thickets, brought it over and sacrificed that ram, reminding Isaac and us that indeed God provided the sacrifice. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We don't always understand the paths of our life. We don't always know why we have to go through the things that we do. Sometimes we face the tests of faith. In the midst of a world that doesn't know God, God makes himself known in our hearts and in our lives. He covers us with his promises in the waters of baptism where he says, I will be your God. And remember, just like with Abraham, God never breaks his promises. 
our prayer to God is not always to seek his understanding, but to seek his will. Our prayer to God is to help us to be faithful to him even in the midst of things that we cannot understand. Our prayer to God is to help us to hear his call so that we in our lives might walk in his ways and according to his will. Thy will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all of our human understanding keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus into life everlasting. Amen.